In this installment of The Road We Travel, we'll be talking about railroad crossings with Tracy Lamb with Operation Lifesaver. Whoever's in the car, if they're able to get to that sign on the crossing and call that number, it will notify the railroad. And the railroad can notify approaching trains, hey, there's a car stuck, or hey, there's a truck stuck on the track, slow down. I had no idea that existed. That's coming up on The Road We Travel. Our guest is Tracy Lamb. She's with the State Corporation Commission here in Virginia. Tracy, what is it you do for the State Corporation Commission? Hi, thanks so much for having me. Um, I am the Outreach Specialist for the Division of Utility and Railroad Safety. My main goal is to educate the public and certain stakeholders regarding safety around underground utility lines, hazardous and gas pipelines, And for today, we're going to be talking about safety around railroad tracks and railroad crossings. And you're you're with uh, Operation Lifesaver. Can you tell us about Operation Lifesaver? Operation Lifesaver started in 1972, and it started in Idaho. They were having so many collisions that the Idaho governor, his office, along with Idaho peace officers and Union Pacific Railroad launched a six-week public awareness education campaign called Operation Lifesaver. And it was to promote highway rail grade crossing safety. So after that six weeks, they realized they saw a decrease in fatalities by 43%. It was so successful that other states decided that they wanted to implement a program in their state. So in Virginia, we have a Virginia Operation Lifesaver. And it, it was such a compliment to our rail safety program that we brought on Operation Lifesaver in 2018. Prior to the FCC administering the program, it was usually done by a nonprofit. Really, the goal of Operation Lifesaver, uh, we promote the three E's, education, enforcement, and engineering. But as you can guess, we're more of an education organization. So we try to keep people safe around tracks and railroad crossings. So we go out, we give presentations, we partner with the different railroads, um, different police departments. Um, We educate the first responders on all the things that you need to do to be safe around railroad crossings. key right now, especially for new drivers, to, you know, get them to understand their responsibilities. They learn the ways of the road, but now they need to learn the ways of being safe around the railroad track. What do we see? What's the highest percentage type of incident? Is it someone who maybe doesn't recognize that that's a railroad crossing or someone who does know it's a crossing and just thinks they can beat the train? Well, we see a little bit of everything, and I don't necessarily have the data to say what the root cause is. That would probably lie more so with the railroad operator. What we're seeing is that people are impatient. They want to go around the um, crossing um, arms that are down and activated because they're in a rush. Sometimes we see people that may get stuck on the railroad track, and they don't know what to do once they're stuck on the track. Some of it could be distracted driving. And, you know, we're discussing April is Distracted Driving Awareness Month. Yes, it is. Glad you brought that up. 
Yeah, and believe it or not, people will use their navigation systems, and if the system tells them, oh, turn left, if they're not really paying attention, or maybe it's dark, maybe it's raining, they don't realize that they may have turned onto the railroad tracks. I saw a video of road that might be adjacent to the railroad. Mm -hmm. I saw a video of a a car doing that in Ashland, Virginia. They Mm -hmm. turn left right onto the railroad tracks and just like, why would someone do that? Sometimes they just aren't aware when they're following their navigation system that, you know, sometimes you just have to use a little bit of extra common sense and stay alert. But, you know, luckily in 2020, Waze rolled out railroad crossing notifications. Ah, I I noticed that, but I didn't know that, you know, something new. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was in 2020, you know, after they did lots of research, and I believe they may have worked with the Federal Railroad Administration and, you know, other stakeholders. Now, when you're approaching a railroad crossing, you will get a verbal notification or audio notification telling you that you are approaching the railroad crossing. So, you know, we're really hopeful that this will help people um, stay alert as they approach railroad crossings. When I think of a railroad crossing, because I from the Metro Richmond area, I think of a guarded crossing. I guess that's what it's referred to. One that has those arms that come down and the flashing mm-hmm. lights and maybe a bell that rings. A lot of stuff to let you know that a train's coming. You know, there's yeah. not a whole lot more that they could do, I don't think. But there are other grade crossings, especially, let's see, when I'm driving out um, west, like on 60 or something like that, I notice or is it 360? Anyway, on the side of the road, there's a railroad, a rail line that that go, kind of parallels the road. And a lot of the mm-hmm. driveways and smaller streets cross it with nothing there but a sign, you know, just railroad crossing sign. Yeah. So I mean, not all railroad crossings in Virginia are guarded, for lack of a better term. Yeah. yeah. Which, is, a pro- right. which uh, is the bigger problem? Is it people running around the guards or is it people who maybe missed the sign and didn't see that they're coming up on a crossing. I want to say at least the last couple of incidences that I've seen in Virginia, it was those passive um, crossings where it was more in a rural area. They had the sign, you know, to tell somebody that it was a railroad crossing. And, you know, instead of stopping 15 feet before the crossing and looking both directions, the, um, they may have, I can't say what they did or didn't do, they may have just driven through and not noticed that they should have stopped. So, you know, our goal is to educate people. When you have these crossings with no active gates or, you know, bright lights, at least stop 15 feet from the crossing and look both directions before you cross. That makes more sense to me than the people that go around the, the crossing guard arms. Mm-hmm. I'll never understand that, except maybe they're not teaching physics in school anymore. That and people who don't <laughs> wear their seatbelts. Um, yeah. You know, if you understand anything about just basic Newtonian physics, it's nothing complicated. The more massive something is and the faster it's moving, the more energy it will impart to anything it hits. And trains are incredibly massive. Um, yes. And they can't stop. I mean, they it literally takes... I don't even know, depending on the size of the train, you know, it could take a mile for them to stop. You so, have done your research. Well, yeah. That's I mean, why. you know, it's just, I took <laughs> physics when I went to 
high school and college, and you know, I get it. I cannot imagine the force that a train would have, and, and it's not the same as a car doing forty-five miles an hour. God knows that'll hurt you, but a train doing forty-five miles an hour just is the amount of energy that it would strike an object with. It's to me just unimaginable. And yeah. here in Virginia, we have a lot of rail travel, miles and miles and miles of railroad. I can't think of any part of the state that doesn't have a lot of railroads. Virginia's just got the coal tracks, you know, running east and west, and then north and south, mm-hmm. you've got both freight and passenger rail. So there's a lot of railroad activity here. What got you involved in Operation Lifesaver through the state? I mean, was it just part of your job it sort of fell under or was it did you have some special interest in crossing safety all right so multiple things um you are right about uh trains and their force and i love the fact that you brought up science because i'm a former science teacher oh great um a train hitting a vehicle has a similar force to a vehicle running over an aluminum can so I hope oh that puts God. it into perspective. Yes, it does. And the mental image of the crushed can will stick with me for the rest of my life. That's such a great, such a great analogy. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, the force of a train and how long it takes it to stop. A freight train traveling at 55 miles per hour, you were right. It, will, it can take it a mile or more to come to a stop. So. You're, you're right. That force is unbelievable. Yep. That's why they put them on. Touch- that's why they put them on rails because they can't turn. <laughs> you know, they. Yeah. They 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 just can't maneuver and they can't stop. So there's just nothing to play with. And you asked me how did I get into this? Yeah. I saw an Operation Lifesaver presentation. Had to have been over a decade ago, and the one thing that stuck in my mind. He kept saying, trains can't swerve. And I grew up in the town of Ashland, which everybody knows has the railroad going straight through it. It's funny I mentioned and, Ashland earlier. Yes, yes. The center of the universe, by mm-hmm. the way. Um, so every day going to high school, I would have to literally sit at the railroad crossing and it just never impacted me until I heard that gentleman who was, um, I think he was the coordinator for Operation Lifesaver and, you know, a volunteer too. When he said trains can't swerve, it never dawned on me. It just never dawned on me. Trains have the right of way all the time. They can't stop for me. And, you know, they can, but it's going to take them a long time to get to that stopping point if they're going 55. Yeah, I would imagine once the locomotive operator, or I don't even know if that's the right term, but anyway, whoever's driving a train, if they can see you on the tracks, they're already too close to stop. That's just kind of my guess. Yeah. I mean, they have to be going pretty slow, well below that expected 55 miles per hour. But, you know, one thing, if nothing else that people will get out of this conversation between you and me if they ever get stuck on the track, whether you're um, a truck driver driving an 18-wheeler and you, you know, get bottomed out on the crossing, or you're a new driver and your car stalls, at the crossing, 
whether it's a passive crossing or active crossing, there's something called an emergency notification system sign. So it's a blue sign. It, it, you can't miss it. On the sign, it's a 1-800 number, and it's a U.S. Department of Transportation um, special number on there. Whoever's in the car, if they're able to get to that sign on the crossing and call that number, it will notify the railroad. And the railroad can notify approaching trains, hey, there's a car stuck, or hey, there's a truck st stuck on the track, slow down. I had no idea that existed. I'm yeah, so glad so we had this conversation. Next time I had you're no traveling, idea. look for that blue sign. And I imagine it might be a different number. For, well, yeah, there's a different like location number or something, I imagine, on those blue signs yeah, yeah. that you so give. That would the, be the, the location, yeah. Yeah, the U.S. Department of Transportation number. That will tell them exactly where you are. Now, if that sign isn't available or, you know, for some reason it's missing or you don't know to get it or get the information, you can always call 911. Oh, okay. And then I guess uh, 911 can notify the railroad. Yes. But well, that, that number that... on that blue sign goes directly to the railroad. So that's step number one. If someone were to stall or get stuck or break down on the railroad track, the first thing to do will just get out of the vehicle and, you know, get yes. off the tracks. <laughs> but uh, look for the blue sign and make that phone call and maybe yes. diffuse the situation, hopefully. Yeah. And I don't know if any, you like science, right? Oh, yeah. And hopefully this will make sense how I explain it. When you get out of the car, if you see a train approaching you, move at a 45-degree angle away from the track, but in the direction of the, tr the approaching train. Does that make sense? It does. And actually, I knew that. You, oh, well, it's counter I'm so glad you get it. It's counterintuitive, but you're going to want to run kind of diagonally both toward and away from the train, if that makes sense. Away from yeah. the track, diagonally, but in the direction of the train as it approaches, yeah. because you don't want to be on the other side if, if there's an impact. You don't want to be down the track from the impact. You want to yeah. be above, before the impact site. But yeah, that, you that, get it. I, yeah, I get that. I, I probably fear would make me run fast enough that I, in any direction I'd be okay. But I, hopefully, I would remember <laughs> if you run diagonally away from the track and toward the the oncoming train, that's that's the best direction. But at any yeah. rate, getting away from the vehicle and the track is the the main thing if you see a train coming. Yeah, because you know Newton's laws. When the, if the train hits the vehicle or whatever's stalled on the tracks, it's, the force is going to push it forward. So you don't want to be in the direction of where the force is headed. Right. What are some tips for just everyday drivers? One big tip, whether you're walking, riding a bike, um, in your car, make sure you remove any distraction or reduce any distraction that you may have as you're approaching the crossing. Doesn't matter if it's a passive crossing, an active crossing. If you have earbuds in, please take those out. If you're blaring the radio, turn it down. You know, if you're a school bus driver and you have, you know, children that you have got to get to school, you know, just teach them when you're approaching a crossing, the voices need to go down a little bit more. 
Um, never, if you're driving, never downshift as you're crossing the railroad tracks because your car could stall. Hmm. Um, in the city, sometimes there are stoplights that are pretty close to the railroad crossing. Make sure that, you know, if you're crossing the railroad and it's pretty close to a stoplight, that your entire vehicle can cross and not get stuck because of a red light. We tend to see more issues with rail crossing issues in urban areas when there are stoplights close by. Yeah, it's, it's hard to recognize what you're seeing, I guess, or m- maybe there's information overload. I'm yeah, seeing a green light. You're thinking, yeah, you're thinking, oh, here's a green light, then all of a sudden it turns yellow, and the, you know, the back end of your vehicle is stuck on the track or even close to the track. Because, I mean, I don't think some people realize a train can overhang the track up to three feet. So you have to make sure that you've crossed the track and cleared it completely. So if you feel like you can't cross it all the way, then you probably shouldn't cross if that light is turning yellow. And I know I've been in situations like that where you're like, this doesn't look like it was very well thought out. (laughs) You know, where there's a stoplight maybe on the other side of the crossing and you're like, should I, I don't know, especially in heavy traffic, you know, situations like that, the Tidewater area leaps to mind where there's a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, speaking of which, what are some high end, well, I don't know, you still got some more uh, more tips? Um, let's see. Oh, so if you're a bicyclist and you're crossing the railroad or a pedestrian, cross at designated crossings, but specific to anybody that's using a wheelchair or a bicycle or anything with narrow wheels, just be mindful that you need to cross at a 90 degree, 90 degree angle so that your wheels don't get stuck in the crossing. Hmm. Okay. So if you're on a bike, it's better that you walk your bike across. And I like that you brought up cross at designated crossings because that is one of the concerns with pedestrian fatalities in general. And also that brings to mind that I, I don't know if it happens everywhere, but I know that often trains will sound their horn as they approach a crossing. So if you're crossing someplace where there isn't a crossing, you're not going to get possibly that warning because the train gives the warnings as it approaches crossings. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's true everywhere, but I, I've certainly seen it myself. Yes, and I do believe the um, engineers that run the trains they have specific rules of, you know, how they sound their horn at, you know, what distance to the crossing, whether there are, you know, local ordinances about how they have to do that. But if you're walking along the track, you know, on the track property, that's considered trespassing. And it's also extremely dangerous. Yes, yes. And, you know, you tend to see people using railroad tracks as a shortcut to get somewhere. And they, and I'm not saying all of them do, but many of the younger people tend to wear earbuds. Yeah. And, of course, if you're wearing earbuds, you might, may not hear the train coming. Have you ever looked at an airplane in the sky and it looks like it's barely moving? Right. But we know it's going 150 miles per hour. That's the same with trains. People aren't aware of how fast they're actually traveling because it's almost like an optical illusion. Yeah, they're so big. They're so much bigger than mm-hmm. you think they are that, that it kind of looks like they're moving a lot more slowly. Also, if you're on the track and you see the train, you don't have any uh, 
perspective to give you a, a clue as to how fast it's moving. It's just getting bigger. Yes. We just talked about it's illegal and dangerous to trespass on railroad property. That includes the tracks, bridges, trestles, and yards. And you know, I want to I want to reiterate, we have lots of college campuses that are located within one mile of railroad tracks. Um, we even have some college campuses where the railroad tracks run directly through. We are encouraging any college student, high school student that walks or travels near railroad trains, railroad tracks, please give yourself enough time to get to class. Oh, um, yeah, good point. So that you don't feel pressured to, eh, I'll chance it. Yeah, because freight trains run anytime. They can be on the tracks anytime, any direction. And then passenger trains like Amtrak or um, VRE, which is Virginia Rail Express, which is Northern Virginia, and we have Hampton Road Transit. They have a schedule, but you can't be guaranteed that it's always going to be perfect. Sure. So we, we just encourage people, allow yourself enough time to travel around railroad tracks. We live in the microwave society. Everybody wants everything fast. It's also about keeping your priorities straight. You know, mm-hmm. if you're you're worried about getting to professor so-and-so's class on time because the professor will dock you for being late or whatever, that's really not as important as not crossing in front of a train. Yeah. Just because you're running late. The, yeah. Making it to the class. Yeah, I can make it. Time. I can make it. No, that's that's really not the way to look at it. Yeah. I yeah. get that. That's um, a great tip. Yeah. Um, so for truck drivers um, or professional drivers, um, if you're approaching a railroad crossing, they should really look for the low ground clearance grade crossing sign. So there's going to be a sign and it looks like a truck that has like a peak below the back of it that lets them know that there may be a challenge crossing that railroad crossing. So they need to make sure that they're able to cross it. Got it. So like maybe one of those long car carrier trailers might have trouble getting mm-hmm. across. So they yeah. should be looking for that sign. Yes. I mean, if you go to www.oli.org, there is tons of free literature, educational videos available for everyone, whether it's K through 12, professional drivers, new drivers, school bus drivers, any stakeholder that you could think of, there is definitely plenty of information. Operation Lifesaver also offers um, special training to first responders. You know, it's there if they want it. Um, We have free training for school bus drivers to enhance all of the training that they currently get now. And they're supposed to stop before they get to the crossing. And there are other vehicles also that by law, have to stop at a railroad crossing, yeah. like um, those big propane trucks come to mind. Yeah. I mean, and, and honestly, Virginia is um, not on the top list or at the top of the list for having tons of rail incidences. I mean, you know, kudos to our drivers. They've done a great job. People tend to listen really well and pay attention. And, you know, if education starts with the little kids, it definitely makes it easier for them as they grow into adults to always do the right thing. And you brought up distraction. The phone just and infotainment systems and vehicles and all that stuff now just adds 
so many more layers of distraction that weren't there even 15 years ago. Uh, I'm sure that plays a role in some of these situations or certainly adds to it. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to see the train coming if you're fiddling with your cell phone or your stereo. Exactly. What are some of the high incident uh, areas in Virginia? Are there any that stand out as particularly um, problematic? Um, Looking at the recent data, two areas in particular um, stick out to me. Chesterfield County. You're kidding. And Suffolk. Um, Suffolk seems to have um, uh, more incidences than we expected, but I will say that the Suffolk Police, um, I worked with them to create a public service announcement. Um, they're doing they're doing different things to educate the public about railroad crossings, and I can't say what the root cause is for any of their incidences, but they're definitely taking it seriously and doing more. Chesterfield County had a few in the last year, but you know when you compare Virginia to say California or some of those larger states where rail just seems to you know really be prevalent, Virginia is not doing poorly at all. Like we're doing a great job, hmm. but we know that we do have a few spots that we have to focus on. I know the area uh, around Chester. Yeah. In like the last year or two, there were just, it seemed like every six months there was a fatality on that rail line that sort of parallels I-95 north and south. I think one of them was a situation where the pedestrian was wearing earbuds and mm-hmm. walking on the tracks. I just cannot imagine what would possess someone to do that. But I guess you think you can feel the train coming or you'll see it or I, I just, I don't know. I think a lot of people think that trains are just like they used to be years ago. And, you know, we talk about the clickety-clack sound of trains. But with technology and engineering, trains are uh, not as noisy as they used to be. They're kind of quiet. And, you know, you you may not feel all of the vibration in the railroad track if you're walking on it. So, you know, I, I wish I could just get people to understand Keep one ear out. Yeah. Um, you know, just if you're going to listen to music, one, don't walk on the railroad tracks. That's super dangerous. If you're walking down a street, keep one ear out. I mean, it goes for any area because you want to be able to hear any danger that may be around you. Um, yeah, I, I would just love for people to just, you know, you once something terrible happens. You can't go back. So if it's avoidable just by common sense things, let's do it. Let's keep our family safe. Let's, I don't think people realize the, the trauma that this has on the train engineers. Oh, God. They don't, yeah, yeah. So it impacts the community. It impacts the first responders. It impacts families. What else should we talk about? Oh, let's see. Well, we have Rail Safety Week, which comes up in September. I believe that's like maybe the third week in September. So um, if if we're all clear and the pandemic is under control, you can expect to see Operation Lifesaver you know, out and about. Uh, we, we plan on being at those um, crossings where there are more issues than usual, and what, uh, handing what, out literature. Okay. I was going to say, what do you do at the crossings? Okay, so 
For Rail Safety Week, there is one day devoted specifically to first responders, police departments. So we partner with, say, Amtrak police, um, CSX police, Norfolk Southern police, any, um, any stakeholder that wants to work with us. And they will, you know, not necessarily be right on the track, but somewhere in the vicinity, um, handing out educational material to say, you know, pay attention to the signs, be really careful going across the crossing. We want to make sure you have the um, material to better understand how to keep yourself safe. Knowledge is power. You know, what's always amazed me about those crossings is they work all the time. They just, they, I, I wonder what the engineering was into those, you know, the crossing arms and the flashing lights and stuff. Because when there's a like a hurricane or a power outage, usually those still work. I don't know how that happens. They seem to be pretty reliable. You don't hear you don't hear a lot of uh, tales of well, there was a crash because the crossing arms weren't working. Well, I'd love to give kudos to the rest of our division. Um, our uh, we have part of division of utility and railroad safety is railroad regulation, and we have rail safety inspectors that go out and make sure that everything is working properly. So when they see things that aren't working properly, they notify the correct railroad and things tend to um, get fixed or stay fixed. So what can we find on uh, your website, oli.org? So if you go on the website, oh, there's just so much. Like if you click on safety near trains, it will let you know some basic track safety like, it will give you information if you're a pedestrian, if you're a cyclist, if you're driving, even for light rail. So, you know, if you're a passenger, it gives you information about being a smart passenger on the light rail. Hmm. Uh, if you ever want to volunteer with us, feel free to fill out the volunteer form and I will happily reach out to you. All of the training is online and then you can go out and share our rail safety message. And how do, how do volunteers, what do volunteers do for Operation Lifesaver? We have a wide variety of volunteers. Um, our rail safety inspectors, some of them are volunteers. We have employees of some of the railroads that volunteer. We even have somebody from a fire department that volunteers. They go out, they provide presentations to different groups. So if you have a driver's ed class, that need to understand about uh, the road signs that they're going to have on their um, test. We can share a presentation about being safe around railroads and help them understand the signs that are going to be on their um, driver's test. Well, that's pretty um, helpful. And I imagine yeah. I'm, I imagine that's free, right? Oh, absolutely. All of it's free. It always, um, I've found it always helps if you say free. That gets people's attention. Absolutely. It is definitely free. Um, if you have a Cub Scouts group that needs to get a merit badge, there is a railroading merit badge. We will help them complete all of the tasks to get that done, too. That is pretty cool. What else is on there? Um, you've got, do you order literature from you guys or do you print it off the website? How does that work? You can um, request literature from us. Um, whatever we have in stock, we will share with you. Um, I will say that they recently created or updated all of the brochures. So 
We don't have all of the new brochures in just yet, but we do plan on ordering some. Let's see, what else can you get? You can request a safety presentation. Um, there's a button at the top right corner that says materials. So if you just want to download a video and share it with your group, you're more than welcome to come on here and grab a video or a poster and, you know, print it yourself if you'd like. There's just so much available. Some of it is translated into Spanish. So if you need any um, signs or literature or videos in Spanish, that's available. Has has the COVID-19 pandemic had any effect on, you know, how, how bad the problem is at, at railroad crossings? I know that there was a, a lull. So at the beginning of the pandemic, um, we saw an uptick probably um, this past November where mm. things were starting to occur, uh, you know, more frequently. I can't give you specific numbers, but yes, it was a complete lull until about November. And I imagine um, as far as the you know pedestrian issues, that probably gets worse during the spring and summer as far as yes. folks yes. trespassing on the, the rail lines, the, the railway right-of-way, and that sort of thing. It's, it's a huge problem. And it, a lot of it, I'm sure, is lack of knowledge not knowing how to treat a rail crossing, and then if something does go wrong, not knowing what to do. Yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned the emergency notification system signs. I honestly, I think I've seen them before, but I thought they were for, you know, if there's an issue with the crossing, call this, you know, like if the lights aren't working or something, I, I it wouldn't have occurred to me to get out of the car and call that number. Well, I'm so glad you said that to me because I'll have to definitely reiterate to people, it's not necessarily if there's an emergency about the arm not working, if your vehicle is stuck too, anything. Yeah, yeah that's know. an issue. If your vehicle's stuck, that's mm -hmm. an issue with the crossing. That would yeah, definitely be a yeah. reason to walk over to the blue sign and use your cell phone. <laughs> I just, I, that, if if uh, somebody had to say, well, what was your takeaway from talking to Tracy? I'd go, look for the blue sign. Because I just had no idea that it just didn't occur to oh, me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's so cool. And since you're in Chesterfield, you're going to see a lot of crossings. So now you're going to notice that blue sign and just have a chuckle to yourself every time you pass it. Yep. I'll know exactly. I, I know to get out of the vehicle, get away from it, look for the blue sign. And if the train comes, run as fast as I can diagonally away from the track and toward the train. <laughs> Those are the yeah. those are my big takeaways today. <laughs> but those are good takeaways. They are. They're great. Those are definitely good takeaways because guess what? That means that you know if if the car is ruined, you still have your life. Right. Yes. And that that's the most important. That's piece. the important thing. Cars can be replaced. Last but not least, this is almost graduation season, prom season. All of these things where people love a great backdrop. Oh, good. Please great. don't take your photos on the railroad tracks. That's the last thing I'll say, and I'll be quiet after that. But if you are a professional photographer, do not put your client's life in danger to get the perfect shot on the railroad. I'll even we throw have some beautiful places. Yeah. What is that? I'll even throw this in. If you are a professional photographer, you do not put your clients in harm's way. A professional photographer wouldn't do that. I'll yeah. just throw that in there to, you know, irritate somebody. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm so 
No, I mean, why would you even consider, oh, let's walk on the railroad tracks. And the, the first thing that leaped to mind when you brought it up was, oh, God, the selfies. You know, let's, let's take sel- selfies yeah. on the railroad track. So let's focus on the phone, taking a picture of me. Oh, is that a train in the background? Yeah. yeah Should be common sense. You know, it's just common sense. Yeah, I was going to say really you would think common it's sense. common sense, but apparently it's not. Tra- we're fascinated yeah. with railroad tracks and trains. You know, there's some kind of uh, allure, I guess. Maybe part they of that is... They should be admired from a distance, from a distance. like sharks. <laughs> that's, that's great. <laughs> Another good analogy. Yeah, sharks are bigger in person than they look like from far away, and so are trains. Yes. So both are good things yes. to stay away from. Just observe them. Take pictures from a distance. Yes. My guest has been Tracy Lamb. She is with Operation Lifesaver, uh, helping teach folks what to do around railroad crossings and how not to get get hurt. Tracy, I appreciate uh, all the great advice you gave us, and I certainly learned a lot. Again, what's your website? If you go to www.oli.org, that will be the website for Operation Lifesaver. There is a specific page just for Virginia. Got it. Okay. Um, all, you have, yeah, all you have to do is um, type in the search box, Virginia, and you'll be able to pull up Virginia-specific information. And is that where folks should go if they want to, say, volunteer? Yes, yes. So if you go to that Operation Lifesaver website, at the top, there's a button that says volunteer. If you fill out the form, it will come directly to me, and I will reach out to you and help you any way I can to help you get through the online training and get you ready to be a volunteer. We'd love to have more people, especially with Rail Safety Week coming up in September. All right. Thanks, Tracy. I appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I hope everyone has a wonderful day. That's this installment of The Road We Travel, a production of Drive Smart Virginia. Visit our website, drivesmartva.org. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter at DriveSmartVA. We'll talk to you next time on The Road We Travel.